accomplish your own will in your own way and God's like no but if you really want to I'll let you I'll honor your choice it doesn't glorify me but if you humble yourself under God's mighty hand is what this says to us here remember therefore humble yourself verse 6 humble yourselves under the mighty hand if you humble yourself under God's mighty hand God does have perfect provision for you in his perfect timing God gave us free will. He will not force us to do His will. Oftentimes, we push against Him and try to go our own way. Instead of seeking His desires, we ask God to bend to ours. We pray and pray, and we just don't understand why He's not fulfilling our requests. We may even grow bitter, thinking that God is distant and uncaring. But as Pastor Mark reminds us in today's message, God's will for us is good and perfect. He has a much better view of our lives and the consequences of our choices. When we trust Him to lead us, it may not always be easy, but ultimately it will bring Him glory, and that should be our priority. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive. Sometimes, some of us as His kids, we do that. We, we stand in the fire and go, man, what's that? You smell something burning? I don't know why it hurts so bad or why I got these blisters all over me. Anybody know what that is? And it's like, man, you're standing in the fire. Step away from the flames and you won't get hurt. Don't even get near it. And some of us, it takes a little more. And others, one lesson. And then others of us, we get so scared we don't try anything. But see, when you refuse the weight like Elkanah, you start to tap into your own resources. We start to tap into our own thinking, thinking we know. You know, I, I used to know a guy, and, and, and I bump into people like this all the time. Man, they, they, they think they know, and they come up, and, and they'll sit there and see something taking place, and they'll tell you that they see, and you're like, you're totally, you're looking at it, and you're so prideful, you're still saying that it's not true, that this thing is happening right here in front of us, and you don't think it's going to work? I mean, Really? But some people are like that. They tap into their own resources, into their own thoughts. And the next thing you know, pressure begins to mount. Pain begins to pile up. And all of a sudden, there's this hurt. If you'll turn with me to First Peter, in the New Testament, we're going to look there and see what his, this says to us and how this applies to Elkanah. First Peter, and we're going to be in chapter 5. So once you get to 1 Peter, turn to chapter 5. If you have a highlighter, a pen, a pencil, something, circle these verses. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6. And it says, therefore, in verse 6, chapter 5 of 1 Peter, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that, may, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Look at that again. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The the context of the first half of that is that God is greater than you are. If you need a real simple translation, God is greater than you are. You are not greater than him. And if you acknowledge that he's greater than you are and he's mighty, then you acknowledge that you are not. If you say, yes, I agree, God's greater than me, then you have to say, on the other hand, then I'm not. I'm not greater. I'm not greater than God. You're saying you actually, when you acknowledge this, what you're saying is I actually know less than God. That should be perfect for all of us. That should be acceptable. Is I know less than God. He knows more than me. He knows what's best for me. I mean, how many of you let your children or grandchildren make any kind of huge financial decision? And you sit down to pay the bills and be like, all right, Asa, you guys giggle. What's wrong with Asa? No, I'm kidding. Because you know, he'd be all like, give it all away. But you sit down and be like, all right, Asa, here's some money. Which bills do we pay? And his first question probably to me is, how much is that? And how much is a Lego set? Just leave enough for the Lego set. Be like, but that's all. We got to use all that money. No, I'd rather have the Lego set. And so a lot of times that's how we base our decisions is, you know, God just looking and going, seriously? Seriously, you didn't ask me what I thought? Or if you know of a cell. Just like the other day, we were in some place and the lady goes, hey, after Christmas, all this stuff's going to be way on sale, super cheap. And Asa wanted some kind of, he wanted a, a wooden mallet. For what? I don't know. He told me he needed to dig a hole. He kind of follows in my footsteps, right? So a wooden mallet to dig a hole. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's like five bucks for a wooden mallet. Why don't you wait? No, Dad, I really want this. I was like, are, are, are you hungry? Yeah. What do you want for lunch? Hamburgers. From where? Whataburger. Well, you know, you could give up that hamburger to buy this mallet now. You want to do that? He thought about it. He said, yeah. He was willing to give up lunch and be hungry. Yeah, I'm not going to let him go hungry. I was like, that's not a smart choice. So no, I'm going to say no. And sometimes that's how God does with us. We're like, here's his choice. And sometimes God's just like, no. But if he really insisted that he really wanted it, if he had his own money, then I'd have let him blow his five bucks. And he'd have never seen lunch if he had to buy his own lunch. He, didn't, he would have not have gotten it. And so the context of this first half is that God is greater, smarter, and knows more than you and me. And if I acknowledge that, that means, and, and I'm saying that I'm dumber than God. I, I'm dumb compared to God. I can't make a good decision really based on my own without going to him first. So what happens when you don't think his timing is perfect for your purpose, then you begin to rise up and play the part of what? God, you, you're, you're, all you're saying is like, scoot over, I got this. I'm going to do it. I'm, I, I, I know more about this situation than you do. I know more about my finances, Lord, than you do. I know more about the, the girl that I love than you do because I know what she wants. I mean, you haven't seen her text messages to me. She's the perfect one. Remember I, I told you about the time that 
You know, you, you, the, the person that meets the right girl and it's like, oh, I'm supposed to marry her. Well, why are you supposed to marry her? We, we read the same version of the Bible. I was wearing blue at church that night. She was wearing blue. We read the same version of the Bible. We go to the same church and she's pretty. You ask some guy and they always throw in and stuff. And you're like, well, what stuff? Oh, you know, their thoughts in their head start being vocalized. Oh, you're like, dude, you got a low hum running through your head. You don't know right now. This is not, why do you want to marry her on Friday? It's Sunday. Just because you met on Sunday and you want to, no, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. And they do it. And you see the mess that people get in. And so maybe, you know, you start playing the part of God thinking you know what's best. And you you want this. And all of a sudden now you want God to be submissive to you. To do what you ask in a beautiful, well laid out prayer that you think, man, I wish there were more people around to hear this. This is awesome. And you're like, God, submit to me. You want to rise up and accomplish your own will in your own way. And God's like, no, but if you really want to, I'll let you. I'll honor your choice. It doesn't glorify me. But if you humble yourself under God's mighty hand is what this says to us here. Remember, therefore, humble yourself. Verse six, humble yourselves under the mighty hand. If you humble yourself under God's mighty hand, God does have perfect provision for you in his perfect timing. His timing, not yours. It doesn't matter how how much you have an urge or a craving for it. It's his timing. Well, right now I thought this would happen. By this time I thought, I hear this a lot. I thought at least by age whatever I would have and fill in the blank. Well, that happens when you're thinking wiser of yourselves in relationship to the timing, the perfect timing of God. You start to think yourself to be a little smarter. But don't we do this? Sit there and be like, well, you know, I'm kind of smart. It's kind of a smart thing to think. And it says it in the Bible, Elkanah had two wives. Why can't I? Why can't I? It's, it's biblical. I mean, and you see these different religions that want multiple wives. Well, there's a, a story of a, a friend of mine and he's doing a mission trip down in Mexico, and it's to, to a Mormon community. In this Mormon community, some of these people have started to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, to, to leave the, the Book of Mormon behind and see that it's not real, it's not, it's not true at all. And what's happened, that this, the reason they moved to Mexico is so these men could have multiple wives. So some of these men are coming to Jesus. But now the question is, you've got these multiple wives, what do you do with them? You got children from multiple wives, and that's their question. Which wife do I keep? Which wife? And he is called, and we've asked and talked at one of the last pastor's conferences, and he's like, hey, man, I want you and, and your buddy Bungie to come down and check this out and see this. And I'm like, man, I'd love to go down. But you got, and, and, and the women are like, they're cool with it, but all of a sudden now I got four wives. Which one do I keep? You see what putting your hands on things do? This, these kids and these other women, somebody's going to get left out. Not that they won't be supported because these men are willing to support these wives. Just which one lives in the house? Which one? 
And some people might be like, well, see, that's what Christianity does. It train wrecks everything. No, Christianity didn't do it. Jesus didn't do it. God didn't do it. That man and his wanting a, a harem of women did it. Because if that's true, if, if it's all God's fault, then if I walk up and punch you in the face, you should love me because that was God's fault. We'll blame him for it. Or if I stole your money in your car, you can't be mad at me. You shouldn't even call the police. It's God's fault. Call the cops on God. It's the same type of thinking. It's the same train of thought. But we do stuff. We don't wait for God's perfect timing. We listen to the devil who lies, the enemy. And so when we do this, we think that we're a lot wiser. We're a lot smarter. And then, you know, being wiser of yourself in relationship to the truth. You think you know more about the circumstance than God does. Look again at verse 7. It says, cast your care upon him. Keep in mind who's writing the letter. Peter, right? Peter, and who knows more about casting than a fisherman? Fisherman Peter, right? He knows how to cast. Peter is saying, I know what you have a tendency to do. You're going to want to carry your problems, and I want you to cast them, Elkanah, bro, if you would just cast this to the Lord, you wouldn't have to deal with two mother-in-laws. You wouldn't have this problem. So here's what you and I need to know. Listen and pay close, close attention. Write this down and know it. Write this down and know it if you're taking notes. When the task is the toughest, God gets the greatest glory. When that thing where you think is so tough that you can't handle it, when that task, whatever it may be, is the toughest, God gets the greater glory. Because here's why. If you can't do it, then who can? Think about how you think of yourself. If you can't do it, who can? And so, you, you know, some have said, well, Mark, it seems that God waits till the very last nanosecond. Well, yes, he does. Because if he didn't, you'd be able to say, Man, I pulled that one out of the air somehow. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. No, God sometimes waits to the last nanosecond, or he even allows it to go beyond the due date, the day, the time, the minute that you want this thing done. Of course he does. He's going to show up when you and I don't know what to do. When you've run out of options is when God tends to show up, but he shows up. He's there. He's with you. God knows. God knows when you won't know what to do or where to go. He knows, and he knows what you'll do to get there. And so God's watching the clock, and he has his hand on the thermostat, and he's looking at the clock, and he's got his hand in the pot, and he's feeling, and he's like, oh, it's getting warm. It's getting really warm. This is really good. And he's seeing how hot it gets in your heart and how much time you have. He's watching the clock, and he's got his hand. He's going, okay, Mark can handle this. It's not too hot. Okay, Mark can handle it for this long. He's doing all right. He's doing good. And he's watching the thermometer. And he's watching the clock. And he's got his hand on in your heart, your life. And he's feeling the heat. And he's like, oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. And then God's like, oh, I got to adjust. Oh, evidently Mark can't handle this much. He's going to be spiritually stunted today. He can't grow this much today. Oh, man, Mark's going to stay stunted in his spiritual growth. We won't let him grow today when I start looking to those outside resources looking towards other things instead of God, not waiting on him. Lord, I need this. I need this amount of money. Can you bring it? Can you bring that, Lord? Is that, if that's your will, can you bring it? 
Uh, hey, bro, you know what? You got a couple of dollars I can borrow. I got to pay this thing off. Yeah, dude, I, I'll loan it to you. Bring in your, your car title. And then all of a sudden you're taking loans on loans to pay loans to pay other loans. And one day when it's all gone, you're like, man, Lord, what have, what have you done? Why me? And sometimes I think God sometimes stands up there and goes, really, bro, seriously? <laughs> why, why you? Why would you blame me? I told you to wait. You didn't want to wait. We all want to say we're strong spiritual men and women, but when it comes down to it, we, we don't want that thing that causes us to grow. If you're really honest with yourself, we don't want to grow because it hurts. It really hurts. Patience and endurance? No. Who wants that? I want it now. I want to be spiritually strong now. But how do you get strong spiritually? Patience and endurance. From time to time, I, I want to be bigger spiritually. I, I, I sit there and I think in the morning in my quiet time, Lord, I'd love to be a spiritual giant like some of these guys that I read. And then you look at how long it took for them to be spiritual giants. And you're like, I don't want to do it in that amount of time. I, I, want, to, I want the quicker version. You got any kind of cliff notes? Think about this. My dad, he used to be a musician. And um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to play the drums. He was a great drummer. And he played in some pretty big rock bands and stuff like that and, and toured with some guys. And, and from till I was three, we lived on a tour bus pretty much most of the time, traveling around with bands like Little River Band and Black Sabbath and stuff like that. And my dad uh, played in a band that would open for them or they would open for him, his band. And um, so one day I said, Dad, I want to play drums really interested in drums. And he said, well, no, can't do it. So why? He goes, because I want you to learn how to play the guitar first. Because I always see you and you always talk about how great these guitar players are and how you want to be a great guitarist. And I thought, well, you know, drums would be cool. And then I'll just pick up the guitar. And and so I told him, that's what I want to do. And he goes, no. I said, all right. So then one day I said, dad, I, I do. I want to play the guitar. I want to be a great guitar player. I want to be awesome. I want to be the best like one of my rock guitar heroes. And he said, all right, I'm going to take you to this guy. And being in fifth grade, he takes me to this guy that's a really good guitar player. Guy sits down and says, what do you want to do? He said, I want to be the best guitar player ever. And the guy just kind of smiled. I remember he had real long hair, big, long beard, and he just kind of smiled and nodded his head. And he was like, so does everybody. And he goes, but I don't really think you want to. He goes, but only time will tell. I said, all right. So I was like, man, these two old hippies, what do they know, right? What do they know? And one of them was, a, a, he taught music in the, at a college. So anyway, you know, I'd sit down and I took lessons for about two or three years, never really practiced a whole lot. And one day I told the guy, I said, hey, man, when am I going to be really good? He goes, you're never going to be really good. And I was like, seriously? He's like, yeah. I go, will I ever be as good as my dad? And he goes, no. You'll never be as good as your dad. And so I started thinking, well, who, who, who's not as good as my dad? So I named off a couple of guys that were local musicians. I will I ever be as good as these guys? And no, you'll never be as good as them. I was like, why not? He goes, because you don't put in the time to practice more. If you would practice for the next 18 years of your life, every day, for two to three hours a day, you'll be the greatest guitar player probably in the world. 
He's like, but you don't want to practice because it takes patience and time to do those little things, the scales. I just wanted to learn to play a song. I didn't want to do all the music theory and stuff. My son just recently started playing piano. And he goes, Dad, I want to play the piano. I want to be good. I'm like, man, time I tell. I almost freaked out when I quoted my guitar teacher and my dad all at the same time. I'm like, now I'm doing hippie quotes. But it is. It's the same thing. We actually think we become strong Christians just by coming to church on Sunday, hearing a message, listening to messages on the radio. Oh, man, I heard a great message and it really spoke to me. And really? Did you have your quiet time today? No, but, you know, I listen to messages in the car. I watch them on the computer. You're not going to be spiritually strong. I read this cool Christian book. You're not going to be spiritually strong. You won't. It takes time. It takes more than just hearing a message. You can hear thousands of messages and still never grow. Did you know that? You can sit in church your whole life and never be saved. Sit in church your whole life and listen to messages and never grow spiritually. Oh, yeah, you'll be able to quote some cool sayings. Anybody can do that. All you got to do is look up cool sayings on the Internet. Walk around, people will be like, well, that's a smart guy. He has a quote for everything. But if you don't know what they mean and you don't know how they work, you'll never grow. See, it, it doesn't matter. If you're not able to exercise your faith and have quiet time and read the Bible and, and worship God and hear messages, all that's jammed together. Yeah, you'll grow. You got to learn to apply it. You'll grow when you combine faith in God and Bible study and seeking God's will according to his word. You'll grow. Do you hear the last part? Seeking God's will according to his word. Not according to what you think his word is, but according to his word. Don't be like Elkanah and take matters into your own hands. Don't always look for the easy way. This is what happened to Elkanah. Jesus didn't take the easy way. Remember, he didn't like the way he was going. Father, if you can take this cup away from me, but not my will be done. I'm sure if he really thought it through. I mean, if he would have been like Elkanah, he'd been like, none of us would, would have a Savior. This would just be something different. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Did God take that away from his own son? From the greatest man that ever lived? From the perfect man that ever lived? Did God take away that pain and suffering? Did he take it away? Jesus didn't go the easy way. He went by way of the cross. Thank you for tuning in again today to Come Alive. Pastor Mark will have much more to teach us from this study of 1 Samuel when you join us next time. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mark, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Come Alive in your app store or on iTunes. Before our time is through with you today, though, Tracy would like to tell you how you can be a part of the ministry of Come Alive. Come Alive and radio programs like it are powerful tools that God is using to advance His gospel message here on earth. And we know that God is blessing many through the ministry of this broadcast. We want to make sure we keep God at the center of what we're doing, and that's where you come in. Would you keep Come Alive, Pastor Mark, and those who have heard this program today in your prayers? Your intercession on our behalf is greatly appreciated. 
Thanks, Tracy. Another way you can be involved is through financial support. Here at Come Alive, we rely on the kindness of donations to be able to provide you with quality produced programs. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating and want you to know that any amount is useful and greatly appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord and thank you for being a part of our listening audience today on Come Alive.